Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. So it's a tie game. Eight seconds to go. LeBron James, you wouldn't think he'd let him go the length of the court. We're going to get some pressure yeah, here. And that's, now, the big thing is make sure you do not foul anybody here on the dribble. It's going to be James. Yeah, here it is. See, it's under it's three under seconds three. to go. Throws up the floater. Oh, Good night, Cleveland. That is for you. So, yeah. So he's got to go the entire length of the court, and he just does. And he puts it in and wins the game, and they're up 3-0 on the one seed. With 11 guys guarding him. They brought people <laughs> off the bench out of the stands to guard him, and he just, it's, 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 it's a superpower. That's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so uh, from the wonder of sports to the misery of the homeless situation on the West Coast, whether it's... God, and everybody, everybody everywhere says it's worse than it used to be. Yeah, whether it's California that has a large percentage of all the homeless people in America, about a quarter, to uh, you know Portland, which is as bummy as can be, to Seattle, Tacoma, every, practically everywhere we're on the air is struggling with this stuff. And uh, Scott Wilson has been writing about it for the Washington Post. Uh, Scott joins us now. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Excellent. It's, it's our pleasure. And this problem is growing, and it's everywhere. And, you know, Scott, we have this uh, thing we talk about off the air, and sometimes on the air, about are people talking about this IRL in real life? 
I mean, because like a lot of the Beltway stuff, the various battles over the nominee to be the assistant. Nobody in real life talks about that ever. Never comes up at a backyard barbecue ever. Not one time in your life. Nobody cares. But (laughs) if you bring up homelessness or aggressive panhandlers or crazy people on the streets or whatever, everybody wants to talk about it. So uh, what have you been writing about and and what what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a good way of framing it. I mean, it really is. Everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own, you know, most of them very unpleasant. Uh, they're usually led by a caveat of, I feel really bad, but X, Y, and Z just happened. And why are there so many uh, of these people who need help on the streets? So but my latest piece is in today's on t- today's post, but it's it's really about people just flat out getting tired of having so many homeless people on the streets. And, you know, some of it's directed at the homeless themselves, but some of it's directed at the at the, you know, political leadership, which, you know, has set aside lots of money on this issue, has talked a big game. Eric Garcetti just said in his state of the city, it's the biggest moral and humanitarian crisis of our time. And yet nothing seems to change. And now you're seeing communities just saying, hey, until they get their act together, we're not going to be the ones that have to carry the burden right, here. Right. And, um, and and I, I think that's really starting to bubble to the surface. Yeah, and, you know, I happen to, you don't know this, but I've talked about it a lot on the air. We were uh, accosted by a transient person who is now going to prison, me and my wife and kids. And I've been to a number of uh, city council meetings dealing with this problem. And the town I live near has actually changed its laws to be able to, or its ordinances, to be able to deal with this a little better because it reached a tipping point. There is a, there is a point at which people say, all right, that's enough. I don't know what the solution is, but we got to do something. And we're talking about some of the most liberal uh, enclaves in America right. where we're on the air, where they've yeah. had that reaction, Scott. Yeah, no, absolutely, uh, and 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 I set my story in in southern in uh, in Orange County, where the county's really divided over uh, in north and south between who should be carrying the burden of this growing problem. But but yes, exactly, you see across uh, across cities in California, in particular, um, what the political leadership's now doing in response is just clearing out these tent cities. And there's there's public safety reasons to do it. There's public health reasons to do it. You know, we saw it at hepatitis A out break emerged in San Diego County last year, the, the biggest in, in national history, killed more than 20 people. Uh, you Not know, to mention the, horrific sanitation problems in the river, uh, but go on. Uh, absolutely. And so, um, and, and I think now what's happening in, you know, as you said, in some of the most liberal enclaves, San Francisco, uh, the uh, the interim mayor there just cleared out a, a big homeless camp in, in the Mission District, which is becoming a, a very uh, attractive place for, for tech money to uh, move in to. So they're just, you know, uh, Santa Ana has cleared a homeless camp. Um, they're just, you know, they're just scattering basically the homeless. Some are getting temporary support in motels as they are in Orange County. But, you know, that that, that expires in 30 days and has already expired in this case. Is there something that changed um, like the, the, the town that I went to the city council meetings? It's it's different than it was 15 years ago. I mean, the homeless situation is way worse, and that it seems to be true in a lot of places. Unemployment's at a record low, so what's going on? Well, uh, you know, I mean, it's it, it's it's the downside of a booming economy, and it's the downside of a of a sizzling hot property market. And it, you know, you ha- you need a couple of steps to get there. But when property is more expensive, people don't have to sell or rent at at uh, you know to to uh, 
um, anyone who's willing to pay. I mean, the, the prices are very high. So if the government wants to buy a building uh, to help the homeless, it's going to cost a lot of money. And um, owners know that. Uh, governments know that. And so there's less property that's affordable for them to buy. And so it's even harder to provide affordable housing. You know, some of the bigger risk, I was reporting in San Diego County last year on this issue, uh, late last year. And, you know, some people say it's, look, there's a giant homeless problem, but even more frightening is there's like 30% of the population of that county is one paycheck away from being on the streets. And, and these aren't, you know, these aren't people with mental problems or addiction problems. They, they are, they're getting priced out of where they are. And so um, that's, that's the downside of, uh, of gentrification and in a, you know, in a really hot economy right now. Scott Wilson is a senior national correspondent for the Washington Post, covers California and the West. We, of course, are the voice of the West, or at least that's what we called ourselves before we decided, Scott, that wasn't grandiose enough, so now we call ourselves the conscience of the nation. Um, but, but it, it, well, it, and then we play we, a bald we, eagle squawk. We say that democracy, our, our slogan is democracy dies in darkness. Yeah, so we so think it dies in silence, but I, I don't yeah, want to so, fight. Yeah, so, so we're battling for the grandiose right. title. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. L- listen, it's, um, it, it also strikes me that whether it's uh, urban sprawl or infill, uh, you know, a lot of us suburbanites live in places that used to be 30 houses and a bunch of farmland, and now it's, you know, 7,000 houses and the rest mm-hmm. of it. I, I imagine it's it's getting more and more difficult. If you just want to put them over there, just get them the hell out. Put, put the bums to, you know, use slightly less uh, sensitive nomenclature, just put them over there. Well, a lot of people say, not in my backyard, which is frequently used as kind of an insult, but if you've spent years, the good years of your life and the sweat of your brow buying something nice where you can live, and all of a sudden there are scary people there, that makes you unhappy. So that's got to be a challenge, too. Uh, absolutely. And I, I mean, you know, it's it, it I, I hope that my story did not paint those opposed to having uh, shelters in their backyards as, as people without, you know, without any feelings. Oh, no, no. Um, I don't. I think you did a beautiful understandable. job. Yeah. I mean, it's completely understandable. I mean, and, you know, it, it they are scary. Uh, you know, a homeless man walked into a Ventura steakhouse two weeks ago and killed a father with his daughter on his lap. And and so, it, you know, th- there's plenty of 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 reality to why there's fear. You know, the problem with putting them even even aside from the not in my backyard feelings, um, there's a problem with putting them out in in suburbia to some degree. I mean, I I start my story with a tour I took in southern Orange County, where we end up at this one acre field that's being considered. And and literally the guide of the tour says, don't walk in there. It's rattlesnake season. And, you know, he's not kidding. So, you know, we're, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Homeless people wander. They need to spend, you know, the, the, the money that they have. Um, and, you know, you can't be three miles from a grocery store or two miles from a bus stop or that kind of stuff. And, and so it, it doesn't even make sense to have them out where there is land. And um, regardless of whether the community welcomes or, or not. And what it is, is it's, it is more infill. And, 
it is, it, and it's, you know, you hear the term all the time. It's, it's a comprehensive approach to it, right? So we know that the, there's addiction problems, there's mental health problems, um, and they all need to be categorized and taken on on their own. But there's a lot of people that just don't want to live on the streets and can't afford it. Right. And can't afford not to. Well, and you make a, a really good point in your article that it's not a unified approach at all. It's a scattered and overlapping and giant gaps approach with cities and counties and states just kind of throwing money at it. But it's not a right. unified problem. And I, I've right. nobody's right. ever nobody's ever gotten to the bottom of this. And I don't know. I don't even know how you would. It would cost a lot of money. But you look at a whole bunch of people on the street. I could I could stand stand downtown anywhere. Look around. OK, that person over there is mentally ill. That person right. over there is a drunk. That person over there made bad financial decisions. That person there just doesn't want to be part of society. How many of each of those kind of people do we have? I don't have any idea. Neither does anybody else. And until yeah. you know that, there's no chance of fixing it. Yeah, and and not to mention, I mean, there, there's that is the biggest issue you're, you're you're you've identified. The other issue is there's just this philosophical divide about what housing should be. There's one group that says you, housing should come first. Housing is the stabilizing influence. Before anyone gets any help for mental health or addiction or anything, you need to put them in permanent housing. It's called housing first. That's what even the federal government is now subscribing to. Yet that takes a lot of money and a lot of time, right? I mean, you need to buy an apartment building and start putting people in it. And, and that gets back to the gentrification issues and the cost issues. The other is, hey, let's, let's treat them in some way that could be a shelter. And then once they recover, once they're okay, get them in some kind of transitional housing and then affordable housing. And, and that seems to be not, not in vogue now, that approach. Mm-hmm. Although that's a quicker way of getting people off the streets and into, into something that looks like housing um, than, than the housing first. By the way, I left out one category, which is the beggar, which is, who isn't homeless at all. They're going back to an apartment, but kind of poses a homeless person to take money from you. There's right. that category. A lot also. of that. Well, yeah. uh, Scott Wilson, senior national correspondent of the Washington Post, covers the West, has written a remarkably balanced and informative piece on this topic. We have a link uh, so you can find it really quickly at our website. Scott, great to talk to you. Really terrific job. I hope we can talk again. I hope so, too. Thanks very much. Right. Well done. Thanks. I'm not going to claim I have any answer for this. I'd be willing to try anything, although I'd rather other people's tax money tried the various experiments. I have an innovative plan, but go on. Um, but uh, his the economy is booming. I, I can't quote it, but I have a feeling that when the economy was tanking, I was hearing we have all these uh, homeless people because the economy's in the tank. Right. Now it's booming, yes. and that's why we have all the homeless people. So I'm not sure that's got anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no and, matter you know, what, when the economy, economy stabilizes, uh, that will be a reason sure. for, and, yeah. and it may be legitimate, but yeah, that's not the problem. It's just an interesting aspect of it. Here's my far-thinking and innovative plan. All of us, meaning Americans, take a look at the various states ranked by, you know, 1 to 50. And let's find like a Mississippi Number one in obesity, number 48 in literacy, and we gang up on them <laughs> and say, look, you're also broke, probably because you're fat and illiterate. Here's <laughs> You need to hire me for messaging. Here's, I'm a very direct man, Sean. Here's a bunch of tax money. You got a bunch of rural places nobody wants to live. Plus, land is dirt cheap there because you're, you're, well, you're F and S, as we mentioned earlier. It's not good, but that's better. And and we're going to erect big 
uh, uh, communities for these fine folks to go. Not everybody camps. gets. No, not camps. What makes a camp? Everybody loves well, to camp. Well, actually, we'll call it a camp, and on the brochure, there'll be people playing volleyball and canoeing. Right, right. It's like exactly. Kind of yeah, <laughs> like some sort of faux Indian uh, logo. But, yeah, and that's where the homeless will go. Giant communities in Mississippi, mm. for instance. But, uh, you know, all joking aside, the answer is always they should be somewhere else. What, what joking? Um, well, and I tell you what, anybody who's going with the unicorn riding, ridiculous, I'm not hearing a lot of compassion here, attitude, y'all are going to lose the war, because... Oh, you're losing. You can't go anywhere and talk to anybody short of the lunatic fringe who isn't saying something's got to be done and fast. Yeah, when when places like Berkeley have said enough is enough, yeah. enough is apparently enough. Now it's the lunatic fringe that shows up to city council. Maybe. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Hey, any opinion? Our text line four one five two nine five KFTC. So the problem the homeless have is they don't have any homes. Let's ponder that. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Hanson, can you come in here and check the email system? I'm not getting any emails from governors nor the president on my innovative homeless plan. There must be something wrong. I like the, uh, so we're going to call it a camp. You send the homeless people to. Somebody said the camp should be named, since you said a fake Indian name, Camp I Don't Want to Washa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I have allergies. That, not is, cool. uh, that is rough. Is it? Uh, so I got, but, oh, but my point is, <clears throat> you talk about will so-and-so be confirmed as the next secretary of something or else, we get zero texts ever about that. Nobody cares about that in their real lives. Nope. And, and that's sh- everything on cable news practically all the time. And you shouldn't, by the way. We talk about this homeless thing, we'll get, uh, we've probably gotten, I can't keep track of them, they're still coming in so fast. I don't know, a hundred texts already. Uh, because this is something that a lot of people are running to, into every single day. I just got a phone call. Is this a robocall? We were talking yes. about robocalls earlier. If it's a call, it's a robocall. Should I answer it just to see what it is? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. Don't say yes. Hello? Who's asking? There you go. It's a no, phone fundraising you. pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, Phony got, fundraising pitch. Got a note from Scott. I downloaded RoboKiller. It's flipping amazing entertainment. I chose to have a Russian dialect asking if this call is from someone from the Gulag. They have those <laughs> options? Yeah. <laughs> My wife and I listen to the playbacks with sheer delight. He says, RoboKiller is the app. I'm on it. Thanks, Scott. Is there a Mr. T setting? <laughs> <laughs> if there ain't, there ought to be. And it answers the phone for you? Yes. And jerks with them. Yes. That's a pretty funny idea. Love it. Yeah, we'll get to that in a bit, Michael. Uh, back to the homeless thing. Uh, I like the retired cruise ship or retired aircraft carrier idea for putting creeps offshore. Their word's not mine. Although a lot of them are creeps. Doesn't ruin anyone's neighborhood. 
I lived in San Jose. The economy crashed, and I couldn't afford to live there anymore. I didn't become homeless. I moved to Modesto and started over. Yeah, see, For instance. I, I always have that problem with the most, ex- not some of the more expensive or more expensive than average. In some cases, we're talking about the most expensive cities in America, which makes them among the most expensive cities on Earth. Don't choose there to live if you can't afford it. We have people right now living in, uh, listening, living in some of the crappier towns that are close to some of the great cities in the world. Or some of the great super expensive enclaves of the rich and famous. They don't live in those crappier towns because they're stupid. They live there because that's where they could afford a house. Same reason I lived everywhere I lived during my life. Some of the places were crappy. So yeah, they've been gentrified right out of downtown San Francisco. Yeah, me too. Most of the world is gentrified out of downtown San Francisco. I can't afford downtown Portland. Neither can my son. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, that one's always been weird to me. I was once homeless, says this texter. I chose to stay at a rescue mission, use their resources to create a resume, and use their resources to help me find a job. I have no empathy for those people who, who have pitched tents on public sidewalks. I'm not hearing just, a lot of empathy from this text. And just do drugs and drink all day. Okay, well, some of them, some of you would say are drug addicts and they need our help. I don't know what you can do to help drug addicts. In a lot of cases, you can't. But uh, so some are drug addicts, some are drunks, some are mentally ill. They couldn't get a job and do the stuff you did. Some of them don't want to work. When are we going to decide that it's worth the time and money to figure out how much of each is the problem? Soon. You can't come up with a solution until you know. Is it 10% that just choose not to work or 80% that choose not to work? I haven't got the slightest idea, but I'd sure like to know before I start throwing taxpayer money at the problem. Well, and of the drunks and uh, stoners and, and, and drugged up, how many of those are self-medicating because they're really, really crazy and the root problem is mental illness? How many of them just really like to be drunk? Rather than really show up like to work. like to be high, yeah. yeah. I lay around in the sunshine high. That's what I do. And it's working all right for me, so I'm going to keep doing it. That probably ought to be in Clips of the Week. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, presidential pardons for those caught up in the Trump investigations. We will have the latest in Hawaii, the slow moving disaster getting worse and millennials turned off sex. Blame social media. We have shocking stats coming up minutes from now. Armstrong and Getty. Social media and hormones in the water. Millennials aren't interested in sex. Well, that's interesting. Hmm. Not the ones I talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not what it looks like from here. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Text line, thank you for screaming this. I've said the same thing about the homeless situation for years. We have to separate the groups first. My sister's in the I don't want to work group. Permanent disability, my ass. <laughs> wow. Wow, there you go. Um, but I, I no longer want to discuss it. Whether you're in the crowd that says they're all lazy or you're in the crowd that says they're all mentally ill, I don't want to discuss any solutions until we figure this out. You know, I hear you talking. There's stuff in the uh, San Francisco Chronicle about the various mayoral candidates all trying out progressive themselves and uh, trying to figure out if they have any solutions whatsoever. We have a video, just posted it under hot links at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, a commuter taking video in a San Francisco subway like tunnel passage of all the junkies laying around shooting up, and it's it's like I don't know free heroin day. It's amazing yeah. stepping on them, around them, over them, all the the pools of pee and the rest of it. It's just 
It's unbelievable. That's that's a, a mess, and I don't know what society does with it, but the percentage of those people that really, really want to quit, even if you paid for everything to help them quit, right. would be, God, half if you're lucky, mm. be my guess. So what do you do about that? Tax businesses and productive people very heavily. Give that money to those poor folks. So they can what? Continue to be junkies? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what the unicorn riders want you to do. All right, let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, another round of interviews about Trump investigations over the weekend. Rudy Giuliani at the forefront saying that the president does not have to comply if he's subpoenaed by the special counsel, Robert Mueller. Asked about it on ABC's This Week, the former New York City mayor, who's now acting as an attorney for Trump, said... We don't have to. He's the president of the United States. We can assert the same privileges other presidents have. Then President Bill Clinton resisted a subpoena as part of the Monica Lewinsky investigation, but he did ultimately appear before a grand jury. And Is when, that when he answered the questions about the cigar yeah, and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. Grand and jury. Did he ultimately appear because he thought he was going to be forced to? Or? Or, or? Yeah, that was the thought. That, that, that was a better deal for him yeah. somehow. I don't know. This is you know, kind of ancient history, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, of course, they, that's a political move also, mm-hmm. is how is the public going to respond to you refusing to show up? In Trump's case, his, his, his uh, bet might be on people will be on my side. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, as I said earlier in the show, a lot of people's attitudes are baked in a lot of this stuff at sure. this point. And, I, I mean, there are some people, they could show video of, of Trump slow dancing with Vlad Putin and wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't believe it, it wouldn't change their opinion. And uh, there are plenty of people that the opposite is true. They will just cons- they will believe every accusation about Donald J. Trump uh, without a shred of evidence. So, when questioned about the Stormy Daniels issue, Rudy Giuliani went back and forth as to when the president may have known about the payment to keep her quiet about their one-time tryst. Giuliani saying part of the money was indeed though given to Trump's personal lawyer Michael Cohen to cover the lawyer's expenses. He conducted business for the president. Which means he had legal fees, monies laid out, and expenditures, which I have on my bills to my, uh, to my clients. What do you think of this as a strategy? If they just came out and said, okay, just to get this over with, I'm going to say it was a campaign contribution. That's illegal. How much is the fine? I'll pay it. Good. Now are we done? Right. Because that's the worst it could be as far as I can tell. Yeah, unless, although Cohen is such a character. I mean, he's got yeah. his fingers in so many unsavory pies. Yes. Who who knows what's going on behind mm. the scenes? So, so, unsavory pie. Uh, Trump <laughs> did not collude with the Russians in any meaningful way. And, and, and in most of the ways it's been alleged, it would merely be unethical. It's not illegal. It would not be, you know, right. uh, uh, what do you call it? It wouldn't be, you know, spying or... Or betraying the country or, or treason, anything. It, or just, it would be questionable yep. politics. Mm-hmm. So when you accept that, you got to believe it's something in the books over all these decades that that are a little funky and they don't want the questions being asked. I'll tell you what I fear yeah. if I'm a Trump supporter is they, they figure out that you are filling up the vacancies in all your buildings with, with Russian renters who are laundering money in the United States. Right. That would be my biggest fear if I'm if I'm really rooting for Donald Trump. Well, there have been a couple of articles about who lives at Trump Towers. I know. And there's there old... is some data out there. Yeah. I don't know how solid it is or whatever, yeah. but there's a number of people that have 
done research that say a lot of when Trump was struggling, right. a lot of his buildings got filled up all of a sudden with Russians yep. that didn't appear to actually live there. And Cohen has a lot of uh, ties to Ukrainian and Russian heavyweights. And and they're mobbed up. That doesn't prove anything. I don't know that that, that doesn't happened. mean it is happening. If it turned out that did happen, though, I would, uh, you would not be able to knock me over. Well, I mean, I would. Yeah. Oh I no, be I shot. Well, right. And then you know, it, it goes to the Senate that you know, seventeen years ago, Donald Trump uh, engaged in what we just described. Does the Senate throw a thus far pretty damn successful president out of office? The connection would be. Trump, the businessman, did something uncool to keep right. his business afloat. It wouldn't be. And so then he said nice things about Putin because he didn't even want anybody to bring that up. Yeah. But what it would the American be, voter think? It wouldn't be, I did this so I would get elected. Well, I'm, I'm asking y'all, because y'all have all sorts of different opinions on Trump. If it turns out that, you know, 15 to, what's the what's the timetable? Was there a specific uh, period of time that these journalists were talking about? I think we're talking 2000s. Okay, so, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, Trump engaged in what we're discussing. I'm talking to you as individuals right now. Would that change your mind as to whether he should continue in office and finish his term? It would not change mine. I, I would be, I wouldn't be thrilled <laughs> with the idea, yeah. but... You know, absent any other significant developments or changes or what or things that would cause, I would well, think, what you know was... what, the American people knew he was a slippery character and elected him. Yeah. If he's not currently engaged in anything horrendous. I don't know, but yeah. if it was fraud at the level where he's going to, like, actually, you know, there'll be a trial and he gets sent yeah, to jail. Yeah. Well, it's funny. because <laughs> And he pardons I'm, himself. I'm trying to examine my own feelings honestly. If it turned out that he bludgeoned a guy personally and buried him in well, the no, Jersey swamps no, or something. On. Come on. Then I think you got to. No, it's just business. It's un, uh, uncool, illegal business dealings. Yeah. If he did something illegal with yeah. his business dealings. Well, he'd get in trouble with that as a private citizen, right? Eventually, depending on the statue of limitations. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kramer. <laughs> One last note. When he was asked about a possible presidential pardon for Cohen, Rudy said, That obviously is not on the table. That's not a decision to be made now. There's no reason to pardon anybody now. It has not been discussed and, and uh, would not be discussed. There you go. That puts that to rest. I mean, what he did as a businessman has got nothing to do with uh, how the economy is humming along right now. Right. Or if it's being propped up by the Rupal, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to you. Or, or if North Korea, you know, use Rupals? I don't yeah. settle down. Yeah. yeah say ch- trade with China gets much more equitable and fair. Uh-huh. Peace comes to the Korean peninsula. The economy's growing at 3.1%. And there may have been some renters that, for whatever reason, <laughs> didn't show up to occupy the office space they rented in 2005. We're going to throw them out of office? Huh? That's going to be the question. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. If any of that is true, Squawky. We didn't get to the millennials not having sex. No, we ran out of time. Are we out of time? Yeah. What's what's the headline on it? Millennials are turned off sex. Hmm. You might have to give us that information so we can discuss. You're doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) I find it quite appealing. (laughs) I'd rank it right up toward the top. Right. Of things I find appealing. I do like pork sausage gravy quite a bit. I'm trying to think of other things I find appealing. <laughs> Given the choice between the delicious act of love and virtually anything, you got to go with the love. Yeah. Millennials, 
you're not doing it right. <laughs> maybe we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, maybe I could fit it in with the Americans uh, being more willing than we thought to have sex with robots, because I think that is coming. Ugh. Uh, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A 7-Eleven in California is trying to keep people from begging for money outside of the store by loudly playing classical music. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's only making the vagrants smarter. (laughs) A man in Kansas was arrested after he was caught having sex with the tailpipe of a car. The sex was described as exhausting. There you go. Wow. Really? Um, why horses in the Kentucky Derby aren't getting any faster, but humans are. How's that coming up? It's pretty darn interesting. Laziness. Um, <laughs> stupid millennial horses with their hoof strength. Exactly. They're used to having their giant cup handed to them. They don't have to run for it. Millennials aren't interested in sex. I'll have that story as soon as Marshall hands it to me, which apparently is going to happen as soon as he can get toner for the printer or something. (laughs) Um, But I have this. There is a concern. Well, we've discussed the concern. I don't know if anybody else is concerned that um, robots are getting so good with their facial expressions and that sort of stuff. And artificial intelligence is getting so good that the robots can now read us and figure out what we like. What's wrong, honey? And respond to us that way. Yeah. That people are going to start getting together with robots and not need humans. And you this know, is very much at the crux of the, the plot of the show Westworld, by the way. For oh. I'm not about to run off and join Al-Qaeda or anything, but <laughs> that's a debauched society. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. <laughs> that's a society that's pretty far off. Well, you can't even see the rails from where you are. No. So they did a study. Now, usually I mock when something like EdenFantasies.com comes out with a study, because it's just a... <laughs> it's an effort to get you to say that. <laughs> but they might have a pretty good financial interest because they make sex robots in actually knowing how many people would be interesting in the, interested in this before you put a whole a lot of money behind it and, uh, and how, you, how you develop it, right? Right. Clearly. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't open up a, um, I don't know, baked celery stand until I had some information as to whether or not anybody's interested in baked celery. Sure. I'm not. So they surveyed Americans on their thoughts around sex bots. These are robots that you can have sex with. Didn't get the gist of it. One in four Americans say they would at least once have sex with a robot, given the opportunity to try it. One in four. Mm, Yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah. (laughs) It'd be weird, I'll grant you. Get this, though. Here's something shocking. Men were 21% more likely to say they'd have sex with a robot than women. Really? Men were more interested in having sex with just anything that would rub against them for sexual pleasure than women. Well, knock me down with a sex robot's private. <laughs> but, and this is what might this company that makes these might be interested in, uh, 16% of Americans, and it's probably mostly men, um, are way on board with the idea of sex bots, saying they would have sex with robots frequently were they readily available. So they know that there's at least 16% of people out there say, hey, you get me a decent sex robot, that's going to be my thing. Sure, sure. And then what are Is they, there a payment plan? Where are they willing to pay for it? 
Americans would pay an astonishing, they said astonishing, I'm not saying astonishing, uh, $1,600 for their perfect idea of a sex bot. That's not a lot. Nah, you're not going to get as good a sex bot as you're hoping for. Well, that's not that much. That's not an astonishing amount of money. I mean, compared to like a real girlfriend and relationship. <laughs> Paying for it one way or another. <laughs> that is an hilarious and obvious comparison. <laughs> Uh, Plus, there's a with men willing to shout at <laughs> <a whole> off switch. <laughs> men are more willing to pay for sex robots than women. Once again, not so surprising. Um, so what is the ideal sex bot that men are willing to pay sixteen hundred dollars for? Forty-one percent of Americans would prefer their sex bot to be capable of talking, creating memories, and having sentience. Okay. All right. Creating memories. Memories Welcome to Weirdville, folks. (laughs) Settle right in. The memories part's pretty strange. Remember that time we went to the lake and saw that sunset? That was beautiful. I do. How good are you at keeping secrets? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. And sentience. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we're getting into Weirdville. You don't talk to me like you used to. You're a robot. Wow. And while it was near overwhelmingly agreed upon that a realistically human-looking sex bot is preferred, well, that's good to know. Oh, boy, as opposed to what? There were still a curious 4% of respondents who said they would rather have sex with a robot that looked more like a traditional robot. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, that's a kink. That is a danger, kink. danger, Will Robinson. Exactly. C three PO. So, oh, sir. so it's got to be a silver cylinder with like a collapsible neck and arms that yeah, steam coming out of its neck or something. Yeah, exactly. Climbing onto R two D two. Oh my. So four percent of dudes want that because they watched Star Wars when they were roughly twelve. <laughs> Light up piano keys for teeth. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Uh, 16% studied said they would prefer to have sex with a robot than a real human, which is actually enough to make me sad if I think about it very long. I go back to Joe's corollary of probably doing it wrong. Yeah, or it's people that are just so freaking uncomfortable with other humans yeah, that yeah. The, the taking away the human element sounds so relaxing to them, or which I feel sorry. Ex- it was bad, bad experiences. Oh, that could be. You know, we are all, yeah. to some extent, the product of our experiences. Yeah, there are women... I know this. I know this. Uh, I won't tell you how I know it, but uh, there are women who pleasure themselves rather than having sex with a human being because of bad experiences. Yeah. And you would think, well, that's basically a robot, and it's not a very good one. Well, and frankly, there's less expected of you when you're pleasuring yourself with a robot. There's a freeing element of I can be totally selfish in this moment. Right. Yeah. Do you remember? That is, I'm glad you worked that word in because that's what I was driving toward is, you know. And listen, some days you feel like you want the whole package. Some days, you know, not so much. Well, a um, little selfish pleasure. As a uh, former member of the Armstrong and Getty show used to say, relationships are so hard, though. (laughs) And so I just wonder, robots get pretty decent. And, you know, you would like all the good stuff of a real relationship. But the the not having to deal with or worry about all the bad stuff of a real relationship. Sure. These robots are pretty good now. Yeah. I can also just click it off when I want to watch a show or go to bed or whatever, live my own life. So even if it's not a perfect kind of quote-unquote relationship, you get 
I don't know, maybe 65% of the goodness of the relationship, and you eliminate the bottom 40%. Yeah, I think you get 65% of the superficial goodness. Right, right. yeah, that's the point I'm but, trying to make. It's um, all surface level, but you also eliminate a lot of the emotional negatives, too. You ain't having kids with it, obviously. Until we, until we crack that code. Right. What point are we having children with robots? Little robot children. Honey, I'm ovulating. Oh, man. All right. I'll pause the game. <laughs> there you go. Robotina. Here I come. Uh, we're headed there. I mean, we are headed there. You combine virtual reality and artificial intelligence and all this stuff. It's going to happen in our lifetime. All right, Androidia. Here I come. <laughs> I assume all the girl robots are going to have names that make reference to them being robots. Why, my sister said something interesting. Click it off. <laughs> How nice would that be? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.